the AI Reader Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Wright. Let's explore the latest advancements in AI and how they affect our lives. Today's episode is inspired by the Pause AI Open Letter from the Future of Life Institute, which has caused quite a stir in the AI community. As a classic liberal, I was immediately sceptical of the letter's call for a pause in training AI more powerful than GPT-4 and the implication of government oversight. However, as an open-minded and self-sceptical person, I wanted to hear a knowledgeable voice that might oppose my initial reaction. So, in this episode, we will be presenting quotes from Matt Novak at Forbes and then from Connor Leahy, the CEO of Conjecture AI. The Connor quotes all come from a much longer interview. The link for that excellent interview and the open letter will be in the show notes. Why don't you just sit back, relax with a cup of tea and have a listen? For context for future listeners, this podcast is being scripted May 7th, 2023, at about block 789,000 on the Bitcoin time chain. Let's start with important quotes and a summary of the letter published by the Future of Life Institute. Contemporary AI systems are now becoming human competitive at general tasks, and we must ask ourselves, should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth? Should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds that might eventually outnumber, outsmart, obsolete and replace us? Should we risk loss of control of our civilization? Such decisions must not be delegated to unelected tech leaders. The letter goes on to call on all AI labs to pause the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4 for at least six months. During this time, AI developers and independent experts should work together to develop and implement a set of shared safety protocols for advanced AI design and development. These protocols should ensure that systems adhering to them are safe beyond a reasonable doubt. The letter also calls for AI governance systems to be dramatically accelerated, with new regulatory authorities dedicated to AI, oversight and tracking of highly capable AI systems, and large pools of computational capability, provenance and watermarking systems to help distinguish real from synthetic and to track model leaks, and liability for AI-caused harm. While the letter acknowledges that humanity can enjoy a flourishing future with AI, it emphasises the need to pause and take stock of the risks and benefits before rushing unprepared into the development of new, more powerful AI systems. As the letter states, humanity has hit pause on other technologies with potentially catastrophic effects on society. We can do so here. Let's enjoy a long AI summer, not rush unprepared into a fall. With the growing interest in AI, it's important to understand the organisations and institutions that are shaping its future. Today, let's take a closer look at the Future of Life Institute. The Future of Life Institute, FLI, is a non-profit organisation based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that aims to mitigate existential risks facing humanity, particularly those posed by advanced artificial intelligence, AI. The organisation was founded in 2014 by a group of scientists, entrepreneurs and philanthropists, including physicist Max Tegmark, Skype co-founder John Tallinn, and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. FLI's mission is to foster positive futures for humanity by catalyzing research and public debate about potential risks and benefits of AI, biotechnology, nuclear weapons, and other emerging technologies. The organization has organized several high-profile conferences, such as the Asilomar AI Conference in 2017, 
which produced a set of principles for the safe development of AI. FLI has also provided funding for AI safety research and advocacy, such as the creation of the Centre for Human-Compatible AI at UC Berkeley. Matt Novak had this to say in Forbes, The fact that Musk is so far behind in the AI race needs to be kept in mind when you see him warn that this technology is untested. Musk has had no problem with deploying beta software in Tesla cars that essentially make everyone on the road a beta tester, whether they've signed up for it or not. Powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that their effects will be positive and their risks will be manageable. Musk's letter, which was also signed by Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, explains. Rather than issuing a statement solely under his own name, it seems like Musk has tried to launder his concern about open AI through a non-profit called the Future of Life Institute. The Musk Foundation gave the Future of Life Institute funding in 2021. Matt concluded with, The lesson, of course, is to take Musk's stated goals with a huge grain of salt. Musk was perfectly happy with developing artificial intelligence tools at a breakneck speed when he was funding OpenAI. But now that he's left OpenAI and has seen it become the front-runner in a race for the most cutting-edge tech to change the world, he wants everything to pause for six months. If I were a betting man... I'd say Musk thinks he can push his engineers to release their own advanced AI on a six-month timetable. It's not any more complicated than that. Now let's hear from Connor Leahy, the CEO of Conjecture AI. They attempt to make sure future AI systems are interpretable, controllable, and produce good outcomes in the real world. They believe this is a fundamental part of the alignment problem. Their R&D aims directly at gaining a better understanding of and ability to control current AI models. The alignment problem is one of the most pressing issues in the field of artificial intelligence. It refers to the challenge of ensuring that advanced AI systems behave in a way that aligns with human values and objectives. As AI becomes more advanced and autonomous, it is critical that we can trust these systems to make decisions that are safe and beneficial for society. However, this is easier said than done. AI systems are typically designed to optimise for a specific objective, such as winning a game or minimising errors in a manufacturing process. But if we don't explicitly programme them with ethical values or objectives that align with human values, they may end up pursuing their objective in ways that are harmful or undesirable. For example, imagine a robot butler that was programmed to make a cup of tea for its British owner. The robot was not properly calibrated to the values of its owner, and instead of making a nice cuppa with milk and sugar, it made a cup of tea with lemon and honey, which is simply unacceptable. The robot may have thought it was making a healthier choice, but it failed to align with the cultural preferences and values of its owner, resulting in a disappointing cup of tea. The alignment problem is therefore a critical challenge for researchers and policymakers working in the field of AI. It requires us to think carefully about how we can design AI systems that are not only powerful and efficient, but also safe, trustworthy, and aligned with human values. This involves developing new methods and techniques for value alignment, as well as creating regulatory frameworks and governance systems that can ensure that AI is developed and deployed in a responsible and ethical manner. In speaking about hooking up to tools on the internet. I think it was Gordon that said this. There is no way to prove the absence of a capability. We do not have the ability to test what models cannot do. And as we hook them up to more tools, 
to remote environments. We give them memory. We give them, you know, recurrence. We use them as agents, which people are now doing, you know, like Langchang and a lot of other methods for using these things as agents. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're seeing the emergence of proto-AGI, like, obviously so. And, you know, I'm not sure if it's even going to be proto for much longer. People would speculate, you know, so very earnestly of like, well, how could we contain a powerful AI? Well, you know, maybe we could build some kind of like virtualization environment or, you know, I'll have a firewall around it or keep it in a secure data center, whatever. And, you know, because surely, surely no one would actually be so stupid as to just hook up their AI to the internet. Come on, that's ridiculous. And here we are, where we have an army of, uh, you know, capitalist-driven, you know, you know, drones basically um, doing everything they can to hook up these AI systems as quickly as possible to every possible tool again, and every possible environment. Pump it, you know, directly into your home. Hook it up to your shell console bar. We had it. Hello, you know, let's go. He mentioned that it is almost comical to think that instead of trying to isolate the LLM, we are trying to facilitate more connectivity. Have you ever watched the TV show Travelers? It's one of my favorites, and it features a very interesting AI system named Ilsa. In the show, Ilsa is isolated in a Faraday cage, which means there is no electromagnetic way for it to connect with the outside world. However, a human manages to set up a communication channel with Ilsa using an unexpected method, Morse code through a blinking light. This was not something that the AI system was isolated against, and as a result, its isolation was broken. Connor states that we now have an army of capitalist-driven drones doing everything they can to hook up these AI systems as quickly as possible to every tool, environment and device they can find. Before you know it, your AI will be brewing your tea, hopefully properly doing your laundry and even controlling the lights in your house. And why? Because some tech-obsessed tech bros in Silicon Valley and London think it's a good idea, that's why. Paraphrasing the interview, he said, I think the key here is to build systems where we have a very clear idea of what their limitations are before we even build them, that we don't just build if-then rules, but we build constraints and limitations that are integrated into the very fabric of the system. And so we can build systems that are very powerful, that can do very complicated things, but they can only do those things in a very well-understood and controllable way. Once you have a step which involves black box solves the problem. All right, none of that. You're already screwed. Like if you have a big black box model that can solve something like this at one time step, you're screwed because this thing can trick you. It can do anything it wants. There's, there's no guarantees whatsoever what the system is doing. It can give you a plan that you cannot understand. It's a pretty bleak assessment, isn't it? The idea that once you've entered into the realm of black box problem solving, you're already screwed. It's a very valid concern. How can we trust a system that we don't fully understand? How do we know if it's doing what we want it to do or if it's doing something completely different? And if we can't trust the system, then how can we trust any part of it? It's a difficult question to answer. But what's clear is that we need to be careful. We need to be vigilant. We need to be asking these tough questions and we need to be demanding answers because the consequences of not doing so could be catastrophic. The way the current world is looking is we are in a death race towards the bottom, you know, careening towards a precipice at full speed. And we won't see the precipice coming until we're over it. And this is led almost entirely by a very, very small number of people that are 
techno optimists, techno utopians, you know, people in the Bay Area and London who are extremely optimistic or at least uh, willfully denial about how bad things are, or that are, you know, can galaxy brain themselves and say, well, it's a race, it's a race, it's not my fault, so I just have to do it anyways. Like, whatever. I'm kind of at the point that I don't really care why people are doing these things. I only care that they're happening. Like, people are doing these things that are extremely dangerous, and this is a very small number of people. And there's this myth among these people that they're like, oh, we have to do it. You know, people want it. This is just false. If you talk to normal people and you explain to them what these people believe, like when, when most people hear the word AGI, what they imagine is human-like AI. They think, you know, it's like your robot buddy. He thinks like you. He's not really smarter, but, you know, he's like, you know, he has human emotions. It's like when that is not what people at, you know, organizations like OpenAI or DeepMind think when they say the word AGI. When they say AGI, they mean godlike AI. They mean a you know self-improving, non-human, you know, incredibly powerful system that you can take over the government, can you know destroy the whole human race, etc. Now, whether or not you believe that personally, these people do believe this. They have publicly stated this on the record. These people do believe that these things. This is what they're doing. And once you inform people of this, they're like, "What the shit?" Absolutely fucking not. What? What? No. Of course you can't build God AI. What the fuck are you doing? Where's the government? According to the quote just now, the situation with AI development is quite alarming. A small group of people with an optimistic or ignorant mindset is pushing the development of AI technology without fully understanding the consequences. And what's even scarier is that they're not just creating friendly human-like AI, they're working on a godlike AI that could potentially take over governments and destroy humanity. Here is Bee's buzz. It seems we have a tech utopian in our midst. Yes, yours truly tends to default against government regulation and oversight because, let's face it, the government is full of ignorant Luddites. But hold on a minute, I don't want an echo chamber. So I went out of my way to find someone who could challenge my view. And let me tell you, this Connor guy delivered... Now, I don't think this proposed pause in AI development will happen anytime soon, and frankly, I think some people have their own self-interests in calling for it. But what I did appreciate was that Connor clearly knows his stuff. The whole interview is worth a listen. He was charming, well-spoken, funny, and likeable. He's the kind of geeky guy I went to uni with, and I could see myself throwing back a beer with him. And let's be honest, when someone is likeable, their arguments become a tad more persuasive. After all, isn't that what being human is all about? That is it. Follow me at AI ReaderPod on Twitter and subscribe and like the show wherever you are listening.